Welcome into Locked On Knicks. We have rumors, not about the Knicks, but that we're going to rudely make about the Knicks, Gavin, on today's show, as well as a couple great player previews. There are two Lakers unprotected first round picks up for grabs. Could the Knicks be the team that goes and gets them? And then we're talking two of our favorites, Jericho Sims, Deuce McBride. What do we expect from them this season? We'll tell you right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's tough. And he's Anthony for three. All right, welcome into Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcasting platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief and Excite the Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster, working hard on the high school football scene right now. And today we have rumors, Gavin, rumors abound from The Athletic. What are we looking at right now? All right. So it seems readily apparent that the New York Knicks, or not the New York Knicks, the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, why to trade Russell Westbrook? Shocker. It said, while Westbrook wasn't traded this summer, like so many players across the league expected, league sources tell The Athletic that the prospect of him being traded in the coming weeks and months remains real. So who is the favorite right now? That would be the Indiana Pacers, Vice President of Basketball Operations, General Manager Rob Palinka, owner Jeannie Buss, and Senior Basketball Advisor Kurt Rambis, LOL, seriously considered sending Westbrook an unprotected first-round picks in 2027 and 2029 to the Pacers for center Miles Turner and guard Buddy Heald, sources said. Rambis did talk to Pacers GM about potentially throwing in some booty picks instead, but was denied. Uh, that was you just got to keep scrolling for that part. Um, but Alex, uh, could the Knicks potentially insert themselves into these conversations with maybe even a juicier offer than what the Pacers are trying to send the Lakers way? Well, I mean, they have three really good veteran players that I mean, we've readily acknowledged for at least two of them. Like it's kind of just wrong place, wrong time being on the Knicks right now, as far as Derek Rose and Evan Fournier are concerned, where it's like, yes, they're talented. And like, I really think Evan Fournier is worth his contract. Like, I mean, you don't set a franchise's three point record in your first season there, unless you are a very legitimate shooter. And like, he's definitely that as well as having some creation chops defensively, not the the greatest, obviously, but really does his job on the offensive end. Derek Rose, you know, coming into camp really light doing every interview shirtless, doing every workout shirtless, apparently, uh, thanks to losing weight this offseason because he feels nice and trim and healthy and everything else. And, you know, that seems pretty good to me uh, as far as him potentially coming in this year and being able to contribute positively more like he did in 2021. And then, of course, you have Julius Randle that the Knicks have to offer as well uh, that just made All-NBA two seasons ago. And last season, obviously, was not very happy with the shift in – philosophy towards the end of the year the shift in uh 
touch allotment and that sort of thing. But on a team, we've talked about this before, on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I think that he would, I mean, he's already done it with Anthony Davis once before at a slightly different point in his career, but I, I think he would pretty comfortably slot into a third man role behind those guys uh, and, you know, take a sort of more of a backseat with less issues with it. Should he get traded to the Lakers? Now the magical thing is because Russell Westbrook makes so freaking much money uh, with just a little bit of financial assistance, you can actually make that deal happen. So Gavin, I'm going to flash it for those watching on YouTube. I'm going to flash this on the screen, but I'll still read it out for anybody just listening in pod form. Uh, The Knicks could potentially receive Russell Westbrook and Kendrick Nunn who picked up his $5.2 million option for this year, as well as Westbrook picking up his $47 million option. That gives you roughly a total of uh, $52 million in incoming salary for the Knicks. The Knicks could then send out Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, and Derek Rose, who are making roughly that much uh, combined between the three of them. Crazy to say that Russell Westbrook makes almost as much as three starting caliber NBA players in one. Uh, when he himself is probably not startable at this point in his career, but that's where we're at. So they could get those three players. Uh, and then I, we were talking about this before the show. I mean, if for Heald and Turner, the two first round picks were apparently on the table, 2027 and 2029, if I'm the Knicks, I would be like, Hey, we'll, we'll take even less than that. We'll take the 2027 first. And maybe they own Chicago's second round pick this year in a deep draft. So say, you know what? We'll take a little bit more ammo for the 2023 draft or for a potential trade around the deadline or something, if they want to still pursue a star, go for something like that. Instead of the two first round picks, make things more palatable for the Lakers from a pick perspective, while also taking two bad contracts off their hands that the Knicks would probably just buy out. Hopefully would just buy out. Uh, you don't want to actually play Westbrook and none at all, because the whole point is kind of clearing that uh, log jam that they have going right now. But Gavin, that deal. What uh, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think about potentially, you know, the Knicks inserting themselves in those trade conversations and then, you know, walking away with a couple extra picks and more importantly, a less bloated roster that then clears the way for all these young guys that we're so desperate to see play. Look, I, I, I it's weird to say as a Knicks fan, but we're kind of saving the Lakers from themselves, right? Because to me, setting out two unprotected picks and that kind of deal is to some extent, the height of insanity that, that doesn't make them a finals contender. That trade makes them a playoff team, which I don't know if they are right now. They're, they're so far behind the heavy hitters in the West and the, the roster mismanagement ever since they won the championship has been so gross and, and negligent that they are very far removed. But you know what? If they have delusions of grandeur, why shouldn't the New York Knicks benefit from it? And to your point, I mean, we, we've seen readily how valuable unprotected first round picks are in the NBA. I mean, heck, the Knicks were um, or, or, or at least were very reticent to give up three of them to go get Donovan Mitchell. Um, and you, you just go kind of player for player. You can certainly make a case that that package from the Knicks gives the Lakers a higher ceiling. Obviously, Julius Randle is just far and away the most accomplished player on that list from either team. I would personally take Evan Fournier over Buddy Heald just because as bad as Fournier is defensively healed is, is even more of a disaster. And Fournier gives you a little bit more off the dribble. And in terms of creation healed for his career, 
I think a slightly better three-point shooter. Fournier last year was was a far better three-point shooter. He was only 36% last year. And then you, you give the Lakers Derrick Rose, who uh, LeBron, I believe in the past, has been a big fan of. And if he, again, is anything close to what he was two years ago, uh, he pretty quickly, I mean, unless you want to call Braun the point guard on that team, he becomes the best point guard on that roster um, and a guy who can create easy shots for LeBron and AD, which right now they can essentially only do for each other. The appeal of Turner is that he's, as, as we've talked about many a time on this podcast, relatively unique in the NBA in that he can shoot threes at a high rate from the center position and protect the rim on the other end of the floor. And look, if you have Anthony Davis, that that's arguably the most valuable commodity you can have. But if Davis is willing to play center and Randall can give you a decent fast simile of that and play fast and give you some ISO scoring, which neither of those two guys do, there's certainly a world where the Knicks offer gives you higher a higher ceiling. And again, as the fake Knicks GM in this conversation, I would only want one unprotected first round pick. They can keep the second, redirect it somewhere else for an additional asset. And, and once you take that into account, it's hard to comprehend that it's not a better offer for the Knicks. But Alex, do you, can you see the Knicks actually wanting to do something like this? And at least in their minds, taking a clear step back in terms of winning games this season and doing so. I mean, it, it all comes back to, you know, are they going to let Tibbs, who's probably one foot out the door, influence what they're doing? Or are they going to do what they think is best for the team going forward? I, I think the front office has shown via moves like the Cam Reddish trade last year that they're going to kind of operate of their own accord, whether or not Tibbs approves or not. Uh, I think it's I don't think it's unreasonable to assume, too, that Tibbs is probably, again, one foot out the door. And it, even if this causes a situation where Tibbs kind of says, like, well, if you make that trade, and get rid of you know Rose and Randall and whatever, and you're not clearly trying to win. I don't want to be here anymore. In which case, if you're the Knicks, you could be like, okay, <laughs> you know, we'll promote Johnny Bryan. I'm sure he'd be happy to have the job, uh, you know, and just kind of go about things in that way because Tibbs probably still would be like, I still want to win, and the Knicks would be like, well, too bad. Um, I, I think they would potentially do it. I, I also think the Lakers would potentially do it. I mean if the team was willing to trade for Russell Westbrook and think that he was a positive contributor last year after clearly showing that he was beyond that at this point in his career and his other stops prior to that, I mean, they have to be looking at Julius Randle and say, well, damn, this was a guy that was in the all-star game two years ago. That was, you know, that was an all NBA player two years ago, Derek Rose, who's a multi-time, you know, former all-star, former MVP, you know, everything else like that. Evan Fournier, who's been in the discussion for being like an all-star type player. This this package, if the Knicks are willing to offer it, screams the, the type of package that the Lakers would be into uh, because it's just the the type of players that they gravitate towards at this stage with LeBron as their like, almost like acting player GM. I, but I also don't think that this would be like some weird pipe dream trade for the Lakers either. I, I think that it would actually, I mean, if everything fell into place with this, it kind of gives you exactly what you want with LeBron like Fournier and Rose in particular are both really good spot up shooters like Rose actually really is a great spot up three point shooter as we saw two years ago at this point in his career that's great to have with LeBron as well as having two guys in those two that can put the ball on the floor a little more which is definitely more than you could say for Buddy Heald or Miles Turner uh, and then Julius obviously like we said has the the ability to ISO and break a defense down and you know, for better or worse sometimes if he's trying to be the number one option. But if he's your third option and is getting, you know, third option defensive attention behind LeBron and AD, I think that would create a good opportunity for him to find his own looks. And then he's also adept enough 
to find a LeBron or AD if things go south that he gets double teamed or something. And those are two pretty easy bailout options to give the ball and say, okay, go score. So I, I think it could potentially work out pretty good for the Lakers uh, if they would decide to go with this. So I don't know if the Knicks are going to insert themselves in this conversation, but I think it should be remembered that just like a week or two ago, we had Ian Begley of SNY, who's generally pretty plugged in with the Knicks saying that he thought there was like a 40% chance that Randall gets traded before the start of the season. Maybe the Knicks seeing this report come out, maybe it's strategic by the Lakers to be like, let's get this out there so we can get some offers coming in. Uh, maybe the Knicks pick up the phone tomorrow and say, Hey, we got some players you might be interested in and we'll take slightly less than what the, the Pacers want. How's that sound? And we'll clear Kendrick Nunn off your books too, just for good measure. Like, Maybe be something that the Lakers would be into. The only downside is Tibbs would definitely start Russell Westbrook and play him 40 minutes per game. So maybe that's why you got to take that option right off the table. Yeah. Cut him immediately. <laughs> Don't let as soon as the plane touches down, give him his pink slip and get him out of there. Yeah. Like <laughs> Tibbs pulls up in a car, he's like, get in, we don't have much time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like turns into an action movie yeah. then. Like a hostage situation. <laughs> if Leon doesn't find you for 24 hours, you're on the team for the rest T of the year. <laughs> Tibbs picks him up in a white Bronco and they go on a slow yep. speed chase through Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man we can hide out at the westchester facility no one wants to go there <laughs> none of the other players will be caught yeah. will be caught dead there they hate it there yeah you oh, know you'd, you'd ultimately have to do is is maybe feed emmanuel quickly some built bars so he starts looking a little bit more like russell westbrook and just confuses tips that's really a good point and today's episode is brought to you by built bar and if you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you're really depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor ready. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. It's covered in chocolate. That's right. Bilt has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a light and chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's good for you because cookie dough chunk puffs are the only 100 are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them so run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family it'll be the perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself what's great about built too is that all their bars are made with collagen protein which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of great benefits eat something that tastes good and is good for you so go to built.com and use promo code locked on 15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, head to built.com, use promo code locked on 15 for 15% off your order. All right, and we're back, and we want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out the ultimate pro basketball preview starting October 10th a six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. The local team experts and the NBA insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey all combining into one ultimate NBA preview will, of course, be part of that. We're part of, uh, I think it's called Big Big Names, Bigger Questions or something like that. Uh, so starting October 10th, search for the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Gavin, we are back and talking about player previews now. And it, two guys, second-year players, uh, got varying amounts of exposure last year. But I think we'll first start with Jericho Sims, who you know, obviously managed to find a bit of a role for himself down the stretch of last season, was a two-way player, uh, but now has found himself with a real deal, full NBA contract. So that's great for Jericho. I, I 
genuinely really uh, like that, that he, that the Knicks, you know, kind of showed that commitment to him uh, last year ended with a uh, final line of 2.2 points, 4.1 rebounds in 13.5 minutes per game uh, played in 41 games, had five starts and shot seven, 72.2% from the field granted on only 1.3 field goal attempts per game. Um, Gavin, I, you know, the stats are only worth so much with a guy that played so little, uh, a lot of it just kind of has to be with what we were able to see and scout from him. So what are some of the things that you're looking for Jericho to improve upon this year? Although I think it should be noted. It's probably equally likely that we're not going to see a ton of him at least early in the season, considering the Knicks have a re-signed Mitchell Robinson, a newly signed Isaiah Hartenstein, and then that comfortably slots Sims in as the third true center on the roster with only 48 minutes to go around. Yeah, I think the the one up shot for Sims, which sucks for for us, and 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 he he wouldn't wish this, but Mitchell Robinson uh, almost guaranteed to miss at least 20 games uh, every year, at least the last couple of seasons. So. Uh, given that and the fact that Tom Thibodeau will uh, will die in that in that white Bronco before he uh, plays Obi Toppin at center, uh, we we should be getting um, at least that many games of Jericho Sims playing um, twenty minutes a night. And the good news is, I think he can hold up to that. And, and honestly, what I like, maybe my single favorite thing that Tibbs did last year was when Sims was out there, and and when uh, the next guy we're going to talk about, Deuce McBride, was out there is he ramped up the aggressiveness in his pick and roll coverage. And, and he went from um, having Mitchell Robinson play pretty much exclusively drop coverage to having Sims come up to the level and help harass ball handlers. And Sims was really, really good at that. He has quick feet defensively. Um, I know we, we, we always reference that Nets game with him where he also showed off at the rim, really impressive verticality. And he, he's certainly not uh, Mitchell Robinson defensively yet, especially Mitch with his, added weight in terms of his ability to affect shots around the basket. And, and you saw at times in summer league, um, people would drive on him on switches who were way smaller. And despite Sims having those, those monster um, Avenger esque arms, uh, he would, he would kind of get like pushed out of the way around the basket. And he, he has to find his mean streak a little bit around the rim because we also saw times in summer league offensively where, where Quinn Grimes would give him like a perfect dump off pass. And, or, and also in the regular season where he would get an offensive rebound and his first instinct would be like, Oh, is there someone open behind the three point line? And for a guy who essentially never got assists in college, I kind of like that he has that instinct. And we saw in summer league, he threw some really nice passes, but he's, he's going to have to become like a little bit meaner around the rim. Like I, I, I want to, I want some coach, like I wish Kenny Payne was here because I'm sure he would be doing this. I, I need one of the coaches to be screaming in his ear. Every time you're out there, you got to find a way to get two or three dunks. He, he has to be trying to jam everything down people's throats. Um, but offensively, he gives you a lot of the same stuff that Mitchell Robinson does in, in terms of being just an out of this world leaper. Uh, but he's a little bit more of an off the dribble threat and not that he's great in that capacity, but we saw him in summer league string together two, three, four dribbles. We saw him get a rebound every once in a while and bring the ball up the court, which I mean, Mitch is, I, I like, except for the two times a year, he, he puts together a crazy sequence of dribble moves that leaves us scratching our heads. Um, Mitch essentially never does. So all that is to say, there are a lot of flashes of, of really fascinating and intriguing skill from Sims, I just kind of hope that he can channel all of it into a guy who can rim run and and just do a little bit more and is, is comfortable just once or twice a game um, creating his own offense, whether that's actually scoring the ball or like driving and drawing a double team and kicking it out. Yeah, I, I 
I'm kind of with you. I, I think I envision kind of similar things for him. I mean, I, I think what I'll really be looking for out of him is like, what can he do to differentiate himself? You know, what can he do to, to find some minutes for himself? And I, I don't know if there is a single thing that he can do if both Mitch and Hartenstein are healthy, but maybe he can make himself situational, you know, maybe like that switchability. If he can really prove like, look, I am going to be, if you're in a tough situation down the stretch of a game, I could be the best defender that you have on the floor because I can stay in front of anybody. Maybe that inspires tips to play him in some situational minutes. I mean, maybe in a pure defensive scenario, like down the stretch of a game, you could actually get away with playing him and Mitch together just for a split minute there, just to throw them both out there and just say like, go get a stop, you know, and get it, get a stop, get a rebound because then you're, you have two guys that are very adept at doing both those things that are on the floor. And you just have to be, it has to be one of those scenarios where it's like, okay, you're out there for defense. As soon as we get that board, we're calling a timeout and then we're getting an offensively minded lineup out there and we're not going to like run the floor or something. And, try to do something with both you out there on offense. Cause that I think we can both agree this would not work at all. Um, but you know, maybe it's, it's that maybe it's, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think that would probably be the most likely scenario where I could see him getting some minutes or even seconds as it were uh, this season. But uh, I think if, if he just keeps showing improvement, I mean, he's, he's one of those weird prospects that makes me, you know, we talked about this when we talked with uh, Ricardo Greer from, from Dayton about Obi Toppin, who will of course be previewing later on too. But, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where he makes me reevaluate evaluation <laughs> sort of uh, in the sense that I, I look at Sims and I'm like, you know, you're so much older than most of your contemporaries, but you play so much younger and he doesn't have the extenuating circumstances that Obi did either, where he went through community college and seemed like a really late bloomer or whatever. It's just he just went all the way through college, was still kind of raw. He did he, he, get injured a lot in college, so maybe that's like his version of it. Maybe that's part of it. But he did seem to pick up on things pretty quickly last year. So, yeah. I you know, I would look just for whenever he does get a shot to get some improvement. I really hope, though, that they still utilize the G League with him, uh, just like the next guy we're going to talk about in Deuce, where like if there's not going to be minutes for him on the big team, which I think even if the Knicks made the trade that we just talked about, where they could somehow clear off Randall – Fournier and Derrick Rose like I still don't think that would really be minutes for Sims because you have two young like heading into their prime centers in Mitch and Hartenstein already on the roster that do two drastically different things uh, that you know should presumably sop up all 48 of the minutes at the five spot um, so I, I guess we'll see I, I guess the only other way I could potentially see Sims getting minutes is if Tibbs is still in charge and he goes into full East is big man mode and plays Hartenstein and Sims together because he looks at it and says, well, Hartenstein can shoot and Sims, you know, whatever, willing to move, you know, Hartenstein back a position rather than Obi up a position <laughs> uh, to get Obi minutes at the five. Maybe I could see that happening. Uh, but it, if I'm if I was a betting man, I would say barring injuries, he's not going to get too much playing time. Um and hopefully he'll get a lot of time in the G League to keep kind of improving his game. And whenever he does get time, hopefully he can come up and make the most of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, let's take one final break and then come back and talk his uh, contemporary, Deuce McBride, that next Unlocked on Knicks. 
All right, we are back, third and final segment here on Locked On Knicks, and it's 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 deuces are wild, Alex. It's time. Uh, one of our favorites, uh, Deuce McBride, um, who I didn't I didn't advertise on the show. I got asked to go on a on a on a West Virginia radio station to talk about if Deuce McBride would be in the Donovan Mitchell trade earlier this summer. So that was as a cool Deuce McBride related experience. Um, but he was he, he had a solid summer league. Um, some somewhere around um, 16, four and four shot 54% from two, 36% from three. The big complaint was that we already know he's a fantastic shooter, right? He, he was, he, he was elite, 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 elite in the NBA G league, putting up right around like nine attempts per game, shooting around 38% from distance, um, doing it off the dribble, doing it off the catch. Like he, he he's a very, very good NBA shooter. Um, even, even position designation taken into account. Um, the concern is his ability to get all the way to the rim, which is interesting because he is a really good athlete and that shows itself defensively. And it's not even that he has a bad handle, but I remember, um, I remember Prez bringing this up specifically, but in his first summer league, there, there were sort of like concerns, like how confident is he in his handle? And like, does he know like how to string together multiple moves in a coherent way? Basically like it, it, it's skillful, but is it functional yet? And in college, like he, he played some, he played some off guard too. So I think that's part of it that he, he didn't really get those reps, like going up against different coverages night after night after night as the primary guy on the ball. And the G league gave him a year of doing that. And in summer league, for the most part, he didn't look super duper confident attacking the rim until the final game where he got um, five shots in the paint and, and looked pretty good finishing on them, both with some creative layups and, and showing off a floater game. But to me, Alex, that's his swing skill because obviously on some switches, he's going to have some trouble. But by and large, he's going to kill it defensively. He's going to hit shots. He just needs to be someone who gets all the way to the rim to, I think, be a long-term NBA player at his size. Yeah, I'm with you. And, like, you brought up Summer League. And, you know, I didn't even mention in the last segment. I kind of forgot. But, like, Sims, I think, really showed some sort of new stuff in Summer League. Like, he seemed like he was really working more on, like, post moves and and little things like that that, you know, you, you want to see guys work on summer league Grimes came in as a second year guy and, you know, was clearly tasked with like being the engine in summer league. And I feel like we were both looking for something a little new from deuce there and mostly just got the deuce experience, you know, and it was just like, okay, so he just does what we know he can do. And the few times that he did try to get inside, he looked pretty good, but he still wasn't like actively seeking that out. He still just kind of seemed content in his his comfort zone which was pulling up from three or pulling up from mid-range and so I guess that's part of what I hope he works on in Westchester this year like it was pretty obvious he was too good for that level of competition last year when he played I I don't have his G League stats in front of me I know he averaged something like 30 points in like four or five games in the G League last year which is just like insane I'm actually gonna pull it up because now I'm curious last year 27 points on 48.8% from the field on 21 field goal attempts per game. And even better than you thought, yeah, 42% on, on nine attempts per game. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And never missed a free throw, but only got to the free throw line 1.8 times a game. So he's shooting the ball 21 times a game and was only getting to the free throw line, not even two times per game. So not even one trip to the free throw line per game. Uh, so, that to me, I'm right there with you. I think that's what he has to work on the most. And we talk about it all the time. Like he's, it's not for lack of explosion. I don't think. I mean, he's a former football player as well. It's well documented. Like he used to play quarterback, and 
you know, you could see he's got like a football player's build. He's got the broad shoulders. And it, for being a plus wingspan guy like he is, he's actually like built pretty well, I think, you know, pretty muscular and whatever. So I, I don't know why he's hesitant to start getting inside. Hopefully he takes some notes from like quickly this year because we saw quickly last year who had had some of the same issues where instead of going to his, you know, pull up shot all the time was going to his floater as like his main weapon because he didn't want to get all the way to the cup last year started getting all the way to the cup. And, you know, so if this was like NBA 2K and I was going to pick my veteran, you know, mentor for the guy, I know that quickly is not that much older than, you know, Deuce is, but I would probably say like, I want to pair up quickly with Deuce this year because they share so many similar traits and their build and their play style and stuff like that. If you can get McBride doing some of the stuff that quickly was doing last year, maybe by this time next year, we'd be talking about, you know, complaining about how Deuce is getting enough minutes and there's not enough room in the rotation for Deuce to get minutes because of X, Y, and Z. And like the Knicks really need to find a way to get this guy minutes, just like we're talking about, you know, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin this year. But I think that ability to score on the inside is what is going to ultimately determine that. Um, but otherwise, I think he's got all the tools to be like a great rotation player. You know, it's he's got the shooting. You know, some people, uh, some of the beat writers even at the end of last year were citing like, well, Deuce only shot like 24% on threes. It's like, yeah, on a sample size of what? Like how many minutes did he get? Like you can't, you can't hold what he shot in the NBA last year against him. You can look at other samples to get an idea of what he really is like as a shooter where he's generally been pretty good, like 37, 38%. You know, if he could shoot the three, if he could figure out a way to start getting inside, he has that pull-up midi also that he can go to. We already know that he's going to impact the game in a really positive way on the defensive end. So what more do you really need out of like, a, at you know, at worst, a bench guard there? Uh, so I, I, I'm totally excited to see what he does. I hope, like I said, that we see a little more experimentation with his game in whatever time he gets in preseason and stuff like that versus what we saw in summer league. And I hope that he continues to develop those skills in Westchester this year, where I would assume he'll probably still get a decent amount of playing time along with Sims, just like last year. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it's, it's the hardest thing for a young guy to do playing for a coach like Tibbs who will yank you with the moment's notice, but I, I just want to see him put it up. Like whenever he gets in, even if it's five times this year for 15 minutes and all his times, like, like get up five threes, even, even if he pulls you in two minutes, like he, he just needs to fire with confidence because to your point, we know what kind of shooter he is. And I, I think that is again, like for him to really establish himself, like if that's going to be a signature skill, he has to lean all the way into it. And he, and he can't be shy about putting up shots, no matter who's on the court. Um, and, and to your point in the small sample size theater, like the Knicks were insanely positive every time he was on the court, it was something like plus 20 per hundred possessions in most of his lineups. Like they, they were so, so good. So I, I just think it's good vibes when he's out there, like, like his ability to just press the ball. I mean, it's, it's sort of, we, we always make this comp, but it's sort of what was really appealing about Pat Beverly when he first got into the NBA. And like, especially like, I, I don't think it's not sustainable if you're playing 30 minutes a game, but if he's coming in for 10 minutes, like he can go and be a bulldog and, and, and ruin like uh, Darius Garland's night or whoever, like insert name of star point guard here. Um, and I think that fires up everyone else on this team. So I'm, I'm excited to see him get some minutes this year. Yeah, I am too. I certainly hope he gets them. Uh, I will just say too, while we're on the, on the topic of the small sample sizes and the, the great ratings and stuff they had, I'm fairly certain 
that he and quickly had the best two man net rating in the entire NBA last year. And granted, again, it was in a pretty small sample, but they were like plus 35 in whatever minutes they had together per 100 possessions. So maybe something else worth experimenting with a little bit, maybe to bring this all full circle, maybe that trade happens where you get rid of, uh, you know, Fournier Rose and Randall on one fell swoop to the Lakers. And you can play quickly and, and deuce as your one, two off the bench and see what happens as far as, you know, them really influencing the game defensively and both having shooting, both having that pull-up ability, both having the creation ability for themselves and others and blah, blah, blah. Maybe you catch some magic. Who knows? As your new, like, your, like, redux version of Rosen quickly from a couple years ago, but with the roles reversed, where then quickly becomes the the mentor and uh, McBride is the new mentee, like a... Uh, <laughs> Like a Sith ascension, you know, <laughs> yeah. Quickly murders his master and it picks a new apprentice. Yeah, and Deuce uh, is the uh, Jar Jar Binks who no one knew was a Sith, but they they find out. <laughs> yeah, Darth Jar Jar, the best story that never happened in Star mm. Wars. But we've reached the point of getting into deep cut Star Wars nerd talk on the pod, so I think this is our uh, our cue to go. But Gavin, uh, tonight is the first preseason game uh, of the season. So the season kicks off in earnest starting today. So tomorrow we will have our very first game recap of the season for everybody to look forward to. So we hope yeah, you're let back. Yeah, let me, sorry to interrupt you, Ox, but let me just yes. note real quickly because I, I we got up kind of late today, but we did put out a podcast like on, on things we want to watch in that first preseason game. So if you missed that yesterday, you can go check it out right now. That's a good idea. So check that out. But Till next time, till tomorrow, when we come back with that first game recap. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you guys all soon. Peace out.